be great if you had Ephesians uh, 1 open on your app or on a Bible. If you'd like a Bible, Evan, do stick a hand in the air. Evan will be more than happy to uh, bring you one as we look at Ephesians uh, 1 together in slightly less time than usual. I wonder if you've been in the situation, it's the end of church, you're talking to someone at the back of church and they say, I've been so blessed by God. Uh, this week, I've just heard that I've, I've got the promotion that I've applied for and it's fantastic news because my, my salary is going to go up and we're going to be able to do the loft conversion. And finally, we're going to have a bit more space in the house. And the wonderful thing is as well, this week I've heard that the kids have gone into to the first choice school we wanted them to go to. I'm so blessed by God. Perhaps that's something you've said. Or perhaps you, you've been listening to that and you've thought, well, well, this week I didn't get the promotion. And, you know, my, my kids have kicked off and they're in a school, but they don't seem to be doing very well there. And actually I've, I've just heard that I need to go to hospital for some tests. I just don't feel very blessed by God. What is it to be blessed by God. Is it to have everything that the world says that we should have, or is it something different? Well, as Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, to the young Christians in this new church in Ephesus, he wants them from the start to know what it is to be blessed by God. Right, we're going to briefly look at verses 3 to 14. It's actually one long sentence in the original, but so that we can draw breath over the next few minutes, we're going to look at it under three headings. What is it to be blessed by God? Well, it's something far better than the increase in salary, the good school, the ability to put the loft extension in. To be blessed is about what God has done. Look at verse 3 with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This acts like a heading over the rest of this section. A praise at the beginning is actually the same word as bless. It's a word to speak well of someone. So we bless God because he has first blessed us. Do you see there? The Father has blessed us by the power of the Spirit through His Son, Jesus Christ. One God, three persons, working in perfect harmony to bless us. So many people think that the heart of Christianity is about what we do, so God will think well of us. Live a moral life, go to church. But right at the start, what Paul makes clear is that God takes the initiative. God has blessed us, so we bless, we praise him. And Paul goes on to explain what God has done to give us every spiritual blessing in Christ. What is it to have those blessings? Well, look at verse 4 with me. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before anything was made, before the first atom came into being, God decided to take a people and to join them to his son Jesus and to set them apart and make them his, to, to make them blameless, to make them in the end perfect like him. And, and that means that there's nothing special about us if we're Christians. We're not better than other people, uh, we may well be worse than other people. It, it won't surprise you to know. I regularly meet people who aren't Christians who I think are much nicer than me. But, but what has made us Christians is that God has acted to take us and make us his people. And Paul puts it another way. 
Do you see that in verse 4 again? In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In love. That's the uh, only motive that we're given for, for God setting about this project. It's not that we're lovable, but because he is love, he, he orders history to, to make people who've rejected him his children, to, to adopt us into sonship through his son Jesus. You see, people aren't naturally children of God. No, no, by nature, we reject God, our loving Heavenly Father. Uh, We decide we want to live outside his family, living under our own rule, living life for ourselves. But because of his love, he chooses to make us members of his family. Now, some people don't like this idea that God chooses to make people Christians. But in the Bible, it is always very good news. Because, you see, it's not just that we can't be good enough for God. I expect, like me, you can't be good enough for yourself most of the time. You disappoint yourself, or you just lower your standards so you are able to achieve them. It's not just that we can't be good enough for God, it's that we don't want to be. It's very good news that that God takes people and chooses them to to make them his children. And Paul says here, it's to the praise of his glorious grace. It's so that we realize that he is the gracious God, the great giver. You see, at the heart of Christianity is what God has done for us, what he has given us. Now, rather foolishly, I went shopping in Kingston on December the 22nd, the Saturday before Christmas. It was madness. And as we went around the shops, two shop assistants said the same thing to my kids. I don't know whether it was the way they were behaving or not, but I had the little kids with me. And two shop assistants said, only two more days to be good enough for Santa to bring you your presents. Well, that's what the world thinks, isn't it? Earn it. Earn love. Earn the gift. Earn the present. But that is not the way of God. No, no, the way of God is to give. Not to demand we earn, but to say there's nothing you can do about it, but I give to you in love. And of course, who does he give? He gives us his son, the Lord Jesus. That's why we give presents at Christmas time. God takes the initiative with us. You see, we're blessed because of what God has done for us. Secondly, in Christ. In Christ. We've already seen that. Do you see verse 3? We have every blessing in Christ. Verse 4, he chose us in him. Verse 5, we're adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, we receive grace freely from God in the one he loves. That is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the focal point for God's plan in history. A Christianity without Christ is like a body without a heart. It is lifeless. Look at verse 7. Because in verse 7 we see though the blessings of God come free to us, they're very costly to God. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, in Jesus, we have redemption. Uh, to redeem something is to buy it back. 
So uh, these days you might say you're a bit hard up after Christmas, but you've got granddad's watch, so you go down to the pawnbrokers, you hand it in, the pawn shop gives you some money. But later you think, I did love old granddad, he did give me that watch, I've got a bit of money in my pocket, and you go and redeem the watch. You pay the pawnbroker and you get the watch back. But, but redemption in Paul's day was much more serious. It was about lives, not watches, because it was slaves who were redeemed. You paid a price to buy a slave's freedom. It's why God, the Bible says that God redeemed his people, the Israelites, when they were slaves in Egypt. He, he did that by bringing his mighty judgment upon the Egyptians. And that final last act of judgment was the death of every firstborn child in the land of Egypt. But the Israelites were told, you're to kill a perfect lamb. To daub its blood around the door. It will die in the place of your firstborn sons. The death of the lamb will redeem your children, your firstborn son, from judgment. And that was a picture of final redemption. That came not with the blood of a lamb, but by the blood of God's son, Jesus. As he died in our place on a Roman cross. Taking the judgment our rejection of God deserves so we could be redeemed and here forgiven our sins. And sin, sin isn't just a few naughty things we do that make God a little bit irritated. No, sin at its heart is living as though there were no God, as though we were God. It's not just the actions we're ashamed of, it's the attitude of our heart that absorbs with self-love. We've been redeemed so that we may be forgiven by this God. There was a piece a little while ago on the BBC News website that looked back to an action of a black woman in 1996. She intervened to save a, a man. What was extraordinary was this woman was amongst protesters marching against the Ku Klux Klan. The man whom she intervened to save had a Nazi tattoo on his arm. And what happened is the crowd saw him, and they ran for him, shouting, kill the Nazi. They chased him down before they kicked him, and they hit him, and hit him with poles while he lay on the floor. But 18-year-old Kesia Thomas threw herself over the top of him to protect him. She put herself at risk. She suffered pain to save someone who'd shown that he actually hated her. And that's what God has done for us in Christ. The, son has, the father has given his son. The son willingly came and shed his blood for people like you and me who, who actually show naturally in our hearts that we hate him. We don't want there to be a God. We want to rule our lives for ourselves. We'd rather he didn't exist. No wonder Paul describes this as the riches of God's grace. No wonder he says only the love of God would do something like this. No wonder he says that this grace has been lavished on us. God didn't hold back in giving. He gave us of his most precious, of his one and only son. And that sacrifice is all the more extraordinary when you understand who Jesus is. Look at verse 9 and 10. Because you see that Jesus is not just the heart of Ephesians, it's the heart of history. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ 
A mystery in the Bible is not a a mystery like, say, with Sherlock Holmes, something you've got to work out for yourself. No, it's something that was hidden in the past that God's chosen to reveal. And what's this mystery? Well, look at verse 10. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. See, this is what God has shown. The end of God's plan for the whole of creation is to bring everything under Jesus. He'll be its head, not just in the sense of uh, ruling over it, but also in the sense of summing it up. In other words, everything there is, everything that has ever been made, will be brought under the rule of Jesus to worship Him. That's where history is heading. So you know that age-old question, what's the meaning of life? Well, the, the Bible's answer, Christianity's answer is, Jesus is the meaning of life. Enjoying a relationship with God through Him. It's not just what brings meaning to your life today, but that's what all things will be doing when God wraps up history as we know it. See, Christianity is about what God has done for us in Christ. That's the last thing, what God has done in Christ for us. Because there's another repeated word in the section. It comes in verse 3. He's blessed us. Verse 4, he chose us. Verse 5, he predestined us. Verse 6, he has freely given us. Verse 7, we have redemption. Verse 8, he lavished grace on us. Verse 9, he made his plan known to us. Verse 11 and 12, Paul says, that's Jewish people who've become Christians like me, and that's you non-Jewish, Gentile Christians in Ephesus. This is a plan for all types of people. No group is excluded. And so, verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. See, do you know how you're chosen by God? Well, because you trust in the good news about Jesus. You believe it's true. God's plan in eternity is applied to people today as they receive the good news of Jesus for themselves. And having received that, yourself, personally, God sends his spirit into the life of every person who believes. He's like a stamp, the Spirit, which says, owned by God, chosen before the creation of the world. Uh, Through the work of the Spirit, we know we're God's children. And so verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see what Paul's saying? The the Spirit's like a a down payment that, that says... God will take you to heaven. The Spirit dwells within you, guaranteeing your future. There's a lot said about DNA tests these days. It's amazing what they can do with DNA tests. Your DNA marks you, doesn't it? It shows what family you're from. But, but I guess if, if you're a young person or you're a child, one of the scary things is that means you look at the people who share your DNA who are a bit older and you think, oh my goodness me, I'm going to grow up to be like them. It shows the way you might become. Well, God giving us his spirit is like him changing our spiritual DNA. He marks us 
The Spirit shows what family we belong to. But He also promises to change us. He's going to make us grow up to be like Him. Take us home to be with Him. So Christians are stamped with a, a seal marked destination heaven, postage paid by the blood of Christ, delivery certain. And it's a little taste today of what heaven will be like. So, so now we can understand great truths from the Bible about God, but then we will understand everything perfectly. Now we can feel the love of God in our hearts, but then we shall love perfectly. Now we can share fellowship with the people of God in relationship, then we shall have perfect relationships with one another. And I don't know if you're not a Christian yet, I hope you understand that Christianity is about what God has done in Christ for people like us. It's a wonderful thing. And if you understand it, it'll have certain effects. It'll bring humility. Do you see this plan begins with God? The Father chose you. You did nothing to deserve it. The Son redeemed you. You paid nothing for your forgiveness. The Spirit seals you. You contribute nothing to the certainty of your future. It's all done by God. It's very humbling, isn't it? There's nothing about us that makes us better than other people. We should never be those who look down on others. It also brings security. We live in a world where people long to have meaningful relationships that last. They long to be secure in the knowledge that they are loved. They'll go to a ridiculous extent sometimes just to love themselves. Well, Ephesians 1, 1 to 14 says, you've been loved despite who you are. That the God who knew everything you would do, who's always known every sin you will ever commit, has so loved you that he decided to adopt you into his family through his son, through the shedding of the blood of his son. That is the love that gives security. If God can love us like that, who can tell us that we are not loved? It also brings assurance. You see, if if you're part of God's great plan, if he chose you before the creation of the world and sent his son to die for you and set his spirit in your heart to ensure heaven is your home, do you think anything is going to drag you away from your relationship with God? Do you think anything can deny the work of God in your life? No, you can be utterly sure that he is unshakably committed to you. You can't even tear yourself away from him. And lastly, it brings significance. Because this is a plan that doesn't just begin with God, it ends with God. I wonder if you spotted the phrase that is repeated by Paul after he tells us about the work of the Father and the work of the Son and then the work of the Spirit. Verse 6, the work of the Father to the praise of His glorious grace. Verse 12, the work of the Son for the praise of His glory. Verse 14, the work of the Spirit to the praise of His glory. That's the purpose of God's plan of salvation, to the praise of His glory. That's the significance of every Christian. That's the significance of the church, God's gathered people. We're the way that God has chosen to bring praise and glory to himself. 
You might look around and say, it's not what I'd have chosen. But the incredible thing, that is what God has chosen to do. And there is no greater role to play in the universe than to be used for the glory of God. What is it to be blessed? It's all about what God has done in Christ for us in his great love. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that you are the great saving God. We praise you that you are the one who has worked in history in the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus, to bring us to yourself at great cost through the shedding of his blood. We praise you you've applied that wonderful salvation to our hearts through the person of your Spirit, and that he dwells with us. And we pray that even tonight, you would give us a fresh grasp of your grace that you've lavished on us, so that we might be those who live to the praise of your glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen.